quiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew 'em all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey. Was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke. They knew 'em all. Radio legend, controversial, outspoken. We're going to talk a number of topics with Bob Costas. Hello, Bob. How are you today? Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Uh, we're now joined by uh, Missouri State Representative from Springfield, Sarah Lambie. Coach Ken Carter. How you doing today, Coach? We're not always honored, but we're honored today to have one of the great legends of sports and certainly one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived with us, and that is the great Jerry West. His book is West by West, My Charm, Tormented Life. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Jay Paterno, the author of Paternal Legacy, Enduring Lessons from the Life and Death of My Father. It's fall and it's football, and I'm I'm assuming you're excited, but I'm also assuming there are mixed emotions. Uh, no, I'm excited. You know, obviously I'd like to be coaching, but, you know, those things will, that'll come with, you know, in time. Cardinal President Bill DeWitt III has joined us. Bill, how are you this afternoon? Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Well, we welcome one of my favorite people in all of sports, former Cardinal General Manager and shortstop, Dal Maxville to the show. Maxie, how are you? I am very good, Kevin. Real good, as a matter of fact. How about yourself? And we welcome the athletic director from the University of Oklahoma and the current sitting chairman of the men's basketball committee for the NCAA tournament, Joe Castiglione, our good friend. Joe, how are you today? Excellent, Kevin. And that bumper music got me fired up, and uh, and you're at Harpo's. <laughs> Holy cow. Blues owner Tom Stillman joins us. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations on that fantastic announcement. Thanks very much. We're really excited about it. We've wanted to get an outdoor game for quite a while, and, and uh, now we've got one. 
All right, we've got Norm uh, Norm Stewart, the, the Mizzou legend, is with us here. Coach, uh, thanks for joining us. It's always great to catch up with you. How are things today with you in Virginia? Oh, we're doing great, Kevin. Nice to talk to you. And John Sunbold, one of the greats in Mizzou basketball history, uh, was featured as part of the documentary, and John joins us now. Hi, John. How are you? Kevin, I'm doing great. Uh, how about yourself? And Tim Donahue, former NBA official, who uh, joins us now. He has written book, a book about his life in the NBA. Tim Donahue joins us now. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for having me. We go to the uh, phone line with Dan Deardorff visiting with us, the Hall of Famer, and, of course, uh, just ending his career at CBS but beginning his career as the one of the voices of Michigan football again. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hello, Kevin. How are you this afternoon? You hear that song? Of course, that's one of the songs from the soundtrack of the 2001 movie Remember the Titans. And one of the subjects, the main subject of that movie, was head coach Herman Boone from T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria. And Coach Boone joins us this afternoon. Hello, Coach Boone. How are you today? Hey, Kevin. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Kevin Slayton, along with former Cincinnati Bengal guard Dave Lapham. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Kevin Slayton, alongside J.C. Pearson. Gibson swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This is going to be a home run. Unbelievable. A home run for Gibson. And the Dodgers have won the game 5-4. to four. I don't believe what I just saw. Don't believe what I just saw. Is this really happening? Holy And a good Wednesday afternoon, or Thursday afternoon. Thursday, I'm a day behind. A good Thursday afternoon, St. Louis, and all points north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Monster Energy Drink, Window World, STL-Cars.com, King's Court. This is our sports show. Of course, our current event show airs every morning from 7 to 9 Central Time. But this is our sports show. And we love to have Monster Energy Drink on hand with us because sometimes when you need that boost, or that push, or that focus, and it's hard to find that punch of energy to get you going, you need Monster Energy Drink. A lot of companies spend all of their advertising money at agencies and TV commercials and billboards, but at Monster they do things a little differently because it's not just a drink, it's a lifestyle in a can. They're on the scene of the events. They support the bands, the athletes, the fans. They allow the athletes to make a career out of their passion, and they promote concert tours so their favorite bands can visit your hometown. And at Monster Energy Drink, they celebrate with the fans and the riders. They throw parties, and they make the coolest events they can think of into reality. Monster Energy Drink. It's the most badass energy drink on the planet. Unleash the beast. And that's what we do every day right here at noon in our Monster Energy Drink, windowworldstl-cars.com, Kings Court. Our phone lines, as always, are open for you, 636-348-4460, 636-348-4460. And um, today we're going to have Bob Burns on the show. He's a former state rep, and we'll talk about the status of sports gambling in Missouri because the wonderful Senate killed it 
And so we're still without sports betting. We have to still go over to Illinois if you want to legally bet on sports, if you can believe that. Or if you live in southern Missouri, go to Arkansas. Northern Missouri, go to Idaho and la-di-da-di-da. If you're in Kansas City, go over to Kansas. But this is insane. Only Missouri could be this far behind. This is tax revenue. And most people down in Jeff City are pointing at one particular state senator. And that's the state senator from Warrensburg. And we're going to get into all of that with Bob Burns a little bit later on uh, this morning. It, it is an incredible story as to how we are without sports gambling in this state. It's such a revenue generator for the state. It makes no sense. It will create all kinds of employment. But nope, not Missouri. Just doesn't happen. It's almost as bad as the Cardinals last night. Now, I don't know if you saw the end of the game, but it was so bad and things have gotten so bad in, in the in the Cardinals version of baseball that they were on the Fox and Friends show this morning on the Fox News Channel as the most pathetic ending to a game of the season. Now, how bad is that? When you're so bad that you make a news channel's morning show. And that's how bad it was last night. The Marlins jump out to another huge lead. They get four runs in the first inning on Matthew Liberator, who can't even get out of the first inning. Some more great Cardinal pitching. By the way, just so you remember, Liberator was the guy the Cardinals got from these Marlins in exchange for Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon, two young pitchers in the Cardinal farm system. Well, what have they done? All right, I take that back. I'm sorry. Libertor was old Rosarina. Alcantara and Gallon were from Marcelo Zuna. Alcantara now is an ace pitcher for the Marlins and a defending Cy Young winner. Gallon is an ace pitcher for the Diamondbacks and perhaps the Cy Young winner this year. A Rosarina is now the cleanup or third-place hitter every day in the lineup of the team with the best record in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. And it was a Rosarina that went to the Rays in exchange for Libertor. Now, both of these deals that were made with the Marlins and the Rays were orchestrated by one John Moselock, who wears his bow ties too tight and his John Burroughs slash Country Day arrogance all too well. Those are disaster deals. Those two deals should get a general manager fired. In Moselock's case, of course, he promoted himself to director of baseball operations and then hired a puppet, Michael Gersh, to be the Cardinal general manager. Gersh serves the purpose of doing nothing, getting paid for doing nothing, but will be the fall guy, I promise you, when all of the dust settles on this debacle of a season. It won't be Moselock, it'll be Gersh's fault. And the puppet master will continue to pull the strings on Ali Marmol, the Handpicked manager of Moselock, the third in succession since Tony LaRusso retired, and the third in succession that Moselock hired without any managerial experience. Now, if you follow the bouncing ball, you'll understand that that pattern is a simple one for Moselock. Those are managers he can control. They owe him their careers. He controls them. He meets every day at about 2 o'clock with Marmel, either by phone or in person, to go over the day's lineup. I asked Brian Bowringer about that yesterday on the show. He said it's becoming more commonplace, believe it or not. But any manager that's worth anything, I guarantee it doesn't happen in Texas with Bruce Bochy. Guarantee it doesn't happen in Houston with Dusty Baker. 
Real managers don't allow that. Guarantee it doesn't happen with the Mets and Buck Showalter. Probably doesn't even happen with the Yankees. I don't think these the, the Steinbrenner sons are as overbearing as George was. But it happens here in St. Louis. Mosellock has destroyed the farm system of this Cardinal team. There's nothing. There's nothing waiting in the wings to come up. All of the good players have been dealt or released. Garcia in Texas. I'll bring these names up all the time. Because you could have an all-star team right now of a Rosarina, Garcia, Gallon. Alcantara is having a bit of a sophomore jinx after his Cy Young season last year, or follow-up jinx, I should say. But those other three are all-stars. All three of them, Zach Gallon in Arizona, Randy Rosarina in Tampa, and Garcia in Texas, are playing, and they're the centerpiece, of three first-place teams. Miami, where Alcantara pitches, is a second-place team. Where are the Cardinals? Languishing in last place, 12 games behind the Cincinnati Reds. 12 games behind the Reds. And what happened last night is unbelievable. Four to nothing with Libertor, who can't get out of the first inning. Then an, an additional run in the second inning, and Miami's up five to nothing. Stunningly, the Cardinals come back. It's now five five. Miami goes ahead six five. Cardinals tied at six. Fast forward to the top of the ninth inning. Cardinals are down a run, nine to eight. Or excuse me, down a run, eight to seven. I should say. I take that back. <laughs> Gosh, I, I get my facts mixed up sometimes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how this all ended. It was seven seven at the time. Cardinals playing in the ninth inning. And who comes up to the plate but Jordan Walker? He he belts a two-run homer, and the Cardinals take an eight to seven deficit and turn it into a nine to eight lead. That's how it ended up. Nine to eight in the ninth inning. Two outs, two strikes on Jordan Walker. Down eight to seven, belts a two-run homer, four hundred and fifty feet. Coming to the bottom of the ninth, and Hicks comes out to pitch for the Cardinals. Now, Hicks hasn't been bad recently, but Jordan Hicks hasn't been good all year. A better than four earned run average has failed miserably in many save situations and, in fact, has struggled with his control, his command of his pitches all year long. So what does he do after Jordan Walker gifts the Cardinals with the two-run homer to take the lead, he walks the leadoff hitter in the bottom of the ninth inning. I was sitting there watching, and I said, I, I don't even believe I'm watching this. I can't believe I'm seeing what he's doing. It's a cardinal rule. You don't walk the leadoff hitter in the ninth inning of a ball game. that's a one-run game. You just don't do it. Toss it down the middle underhanded if you have to. But you don't walk a guy. So what happens, the, the Marlins get runners on first and second and one out, and they get a tapper back to the mound. Hicks fields it, but the runner at second broke on the pitch. So he's running full speed around third. He's going to try to score because the ball was hit slowly. Hicks fields it, but his teammates on the field are yelling, and his teammates in the dugout are yelling, home, go home, go home. 
He double clutches, doesn't throw home because he's not aware of what the hell's going on. I guess his mind was on the hot chick in the third row. And he throws the ball 30 feet over Paul Goldschmidt's head at first base. Two-run score, Cardinals lose the game 10-9. to Now, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. But I'm going to let you hear how it happened. And the runner goes from second to third on a tapper back to the mound. And it's overthrown. One run's going to score. And here comes the game winner. How do you like that? It's a Marlins walk-off win. Soak it in and enjoy every moment. Those are the Marlins radio announcers, of course, and they were soaking it in. While Hicks stood there somewhat shell-shocked, Brian Bowringer told us yesterday on the show that his feeling was, and he's been in baseball locker rooms his whole life, he pitched for the Yankees and the Padres in two different World Series, and he said the Cardinal locker room is bad. It's a bunch of players that come out and don't look like they want to play. They don't look like they have any enthusiasm or passion. But last night they came back. And still lost. Imagine how bad that clubhouse is today. Now, you would think that Ali Marmol, the Cardinal manager, was listening to our show yesterday. It's almost a certainty that he was because these were his first remarks after the game. That's what uh, frustrates me the most when we talk about or people insinuate that guys are giving in or giving up or the clubhouse is in a, in a good spot to compete. The reality is when you give up four runs in the first again, and uh, you battle back and you, you score nine runs, um, the guys are into it. I mean, they are. You just can't give up ten. That's not big league. That's, that's not big league quality at the moment. At the moment? How about all year? This team's won 35 and lost 51. It's not the moment. This has been going on all year. But his immediate response after the game was to say that anybody who thinks our clubhouse isn't good or our guys aren't trying to win – You're wrong. Well, part of trying to win is being mentally focused and prepared when you're on the game, aware of the situation. And nobody could make the point that Jordan Hicks was aware of what was going on around him last night. Any good baseball player who's playing defense will always tell you that they're thinking as the pitch is thrown, what will I do if it's hit to me? Where am I going with it? You don't wait till you have it. And then get jittery, like he did. He had no idea the runner was coming home. He wasn't paying attention. And even with that, so he makes the throw to first. Maybe the runner scores and ties the game, but you don't lose. How do you throw the ball? I'm I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. 30 feet over the guy's head. Goldsmith didn't even reach for it. It was such a pathetic throw. Truly, Little League kids don't make a throw that bad. I don't know how that happens. It's almost as if the Cardinals wanted to find one more way to lose just to aggravate their fan base. And then they succeeded at it. We'll let Marmol tell you what he thought happened with Hicks. Double pumped, and they would have kept going home, and there just wasn't an awareness on his part of that. So a combination of that and a bad throw is where you end up losing that game. Yeah. Does he have to just ignore the runner and, and make a good throw? I mean, uh, no, you never ignore the runner. You're yeah. aware of your surroundings, and uh, that just wasn't the case tonight. 
Hasn't been the case all year. How about these base, these reporters? So you just ignore the runner? <laughs> what a dope. It would be a little bit nauseating being a baseball manager, having to answer stupid questions every night. I get that frustration. But still, you're being paid a lot of money to answer dumb questions. It's not so bad. Marmol described the players all yelling at the same time at Hicks. Maybe that got him all jittery, or as Al Sharpton would say, all jitty. Yeah, everyone in the dugout as well. Yeah. 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 Just that caused the pause. Probably couldn't hear it, or I'm not exactly sure. I've yet to catch up with him. He's yet to catch up with him. You would think a manager would walk over to a pitcher who just had that debacle occur to him in the locker room before facing the media and say, hey, listen, keep your head up, whatever it is you want to say, words of encouragement, or, hey, dumbass, next time make sure you're paying attention to the run rounding third and get out there tomorrow morning or tomorrow morning and all day long and practice throwing the ball to first base from 20 feet away. You might want to work on that. But he didn't say anything to him. He did, he did issue a bit of a challenge, though, to the pitching staff of the Cardinals, which has been beyond abominable. Libertor can't get out of the first inning last night. Wainwright couldn't get past the third inning again the night before and the night the time before and the time before and the time before. Dakota, Dakota Hudson comes in. He was called up to replace Wainwright on the pitching staff. And he can't get anybody out. He walks everybody, walked three guys in one inning. I've never seen an assembly of worse pitchers on one team in my life. And this is all at the hands of John Mozeliak. He determines who's on the roster. He builds the roster. And in the offseason, this is what he built. In fact, he didn't build anything. He added one player, Contreras. And then he proceeded to humiliate him and allow his manager to humiliate him because of the lack of class of Wainwright and Flaherty blaming Wilson Contreras for their ineffective pitching. It's incredible, this team. You, Marmol can insist all he wants that he has, oh, the locker room's fine and all this nonsense. When you have two of your pitchers, one who's just a young punk who's accomplished nothing, another who's an aging veteran who needs to retire, when you allow those two to publicly humiliate your prize acquisition in the offseason, you've got locker room problems. I don't care what you say. That doesn't happen on championship teams. That doesn't happen with classy players. That happens with a guy who's finished and doesn't know it, Wainwright, and wants to blame someone else. And with a young punk, Flaherty, who thinks he's a lot better than he ever is. To his credit, Wilson Contreras basically ignored it. Didn't get cranky, didn't say anything in return, just went out and did his job. And, of course, the Cardinals, who claimed he wasn't going to be the catcher for a while, was back in the starting lineup as the catcher two nights later. You want to talk mixed messages? There you have them. And yet, it was Contreras last night who gave the Cardinals the chance to win the game. People will talk about the Jordan Walker 450-foot home run a lot, and it was a monster shot. But it was only possible because Contreras had hit a slow roller, hustled the first base, dove to the bag, and barely beat the throw. If he doesn't, if he doesn't hustle, if he pulls a Yachty or Molina, or a lot of what Cardinals do, not run out ground balls, Arenado, Pujols, it's a long-standing Cardinal tradition. 
But Contreras did run it out. And because of that dive, he was barely safe, and it allowed Jordan Walker to come up. Without Contreras' hustle, the Cardinals lose the game 8-7. to So I guess in the end, it didn't matter much since Hicks decided to throw the ball away. But Marmel issued a message to his pitchers on the staff after the game. That's the that's the problem. Someone has to run with an opportunity. It's not a lack of opportunity for any guy that's in that bullpen or in the rotation or guys that have come up. Um, at some point, you have to step up and, and guys need to do their jobs. Uh, Hicks has been your best pitcher. The He's last been phenomenal. Month. Yeah. The leadoff walk again. It's something. Does does that start the whole thing there? Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to start that inning with the with the leadoff walk, and that's the last thing he's trying to do. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point, he has been really good for us, and he had a little bit of a hiccup tonight. Well, I don't see that as a little bit of a hiccup. Right? You walk the leadoff man, right? Then you throw the ball 30 feet over the first baseman's head. That's not a little bit of a hiccup. I mean, over his last 10 innings before last night, 10 and two-thirds innings, he'd given up four earned runs. That's a 3.38 earned run average. It's okay, but it's hardly phenomenal. I shouldn't say his last 10. That's eight of his last 10. His last game before the Miami debacle was against the Yankees. But he's now, in the month of July, made two appearances with a 6.75 earned run average. In the month of June, 3.38. So this is where you have a guy who you just described as phenomenal? I don't see that. That's not phenomenal to me. That's mediocre at best. Now, relief pitchers do get their ERAs inflated after one bad outing. And they could have seven or eight good ones and then have a bad one and your ERA looks terrible. And that's part of Hicks's issue. But he's just not consistent. That's his biggest issue. The other problem with the Cardinals, as Brian Boehringer pointed out yesterday, and uh, any casual observer of the Cardinals would probably notice, they have a different lineup every single night. They have players playing out of position, different positions every single night. This is an easy lineup, if you look at the Cardinals, to trot out there every single night, as far as I'm concerned. It's not brain surgery. It's not any kind of surgery. You've got players who can fit the leadoff role. But the guy who should be hitting leadoff is Tommy Edmond. Then Donovan should hit second. Goldschmidt third. Arenado fourth. Contreras fifth. If Gorman's in the lineup, have him hit sixth or Walker. Carlson seventh. And I'd figure a way to get the young out of the lineup and put maybe Newt Bar would be your DH and hit eighth or ninth. But that's an easy lineup, and that should be your lineup every day. But I guarantee you the lineup that they had last night will not be the lineup they have tonight. And the lineup they had last night was not the lineup they had the night before. And it goes on and on and on. And that's a manager who thinks he is smarter than everybody else. Ali Marmel thinks he's rewritten the book of baseball because he's so smart he'll outsmart the opposition and try a different lineup out there every single night. It doesn't work when you do that. It never has. It's never been the way baseball's played. You play your best players. You play them till they drop. It's simple. It's baseball. 
This isn't hockey where you're getting your brains beat in every night. It's not football where you're getting the crap knocked out of you every Sunday for 60 minutes. It's not basketball where you're sprinting up and down a court the entire night. It's baseball. The hardest you ever run is if you hit a ball in the gap. Arenado had three doubles last night. Goodness gracious, the guy must have been exhausted. That means he had to run three times. None of them run out ground balls. Well, I shouldn't say none of them. Very few of them run out ground balls. As I said, it's a proud Cardinal tradition. So why aren't, why aren't the same guys in the lineup every night? They're not tired. They don't need days off. But you've got these computer nerds who run baseball teams now, and therein lies the problem. You know, we were talking yesterday with Bo when he said that Mosellock's reign with the Cardinals, they've made a lot of money. But that's an operation that's not interested in winning, if that's your consideration. Mosellock's not responsible for you making that money. The defending world champion Astros fired their general manager after winning the World Series last year. That's how they operate. And they're right back in it this year with all kinds of injuries. But you've got a seasoned manager in the dugout. If the Cardinals had the Astros' injuries, Cardinals wouldn't have 10 wins. Mormal would have panicked by now as if he's not anyway. And this is where you have it. This is the current status of this team. They might as well start Fredbird. Throw Fredbird out there. Let him pitch. Could he do, could he do any worse? No. Wouldn't it be nice to have the kind of pitchers we grew up with? Bob Gibson, when he was pitching. Let me give you a little, I'm not a big stat guy, but this is one that really bears mentioning. Over the last 40 years in baseball, four decades, no pitcher has done any one of these things in a a full season. No pitcher has thrown 300 innings. No pitcher has had a sub 1.50 earned run average. No pitcher has pitched as many as 25 complete games. Not any one of those three things has any pitcher accomplished in one season in 40 years. In 1968, Bob Gibson did all three. All three. Over 300 innings, a 1.12 earned run average, and 30-something complete games. That's what we were used to growing up. That's why people like me take a look at this operation and this team and you just shudder. They're just pathetic. I mean, how bad is this? It's bad. Folks, I'm sorry, but there's not a pitcher in this Cardinal system that's any good. And that's why I say we're in for a long, bleak period of bad Cardinal baseball. It's coming your way in living color. Now, you wouldn't notice that if you watch the post-game shows when when the little candy-ass Scott Warman comes on. And actually had the nerve to say last night, you've really got to hand it to this Cardinal team the way they battled back. They're 20, they're 35 and 51. No, I'm not handing it to them at all. The only thing I hand most of them is their walking papers. The night before you said, Wayno, Wayno had really settled in after the first inning when he gave up four runs. Settled in. They got, they got, they got blown away. What do you mean settled in? Well, let's turn to the sports gambling issue. And Bob Burns joins us. He is a former state representative of down in Jeff City. Bob, how are you today? Fine, Kevin. I'm doing well. I'm with my lovely wife, Diane. But when I 
talk to you, I'm doing even better, my friend. Well, carpe diem to you, sir. I really appreciate that. And Bob, of course, is is a guy we turn to for all kinds of different information. And in this particular case, Bob, the state Senate, I noticed uh, in, in reading up on this issue, had voted against the the sports gambling bill that the House had passed. And so it's a dead issue for this session once again. And I guess most of them down there are pointing a finger at just one guy. Now, that's not a whole lot of fun. But uh, the guy that they're pointing the finger at is Denny Hoskins, a Republican senator from Warrensburg. Uh, What do you know about this, and and where is this headed? Well, uh, that's one of the abilities they have in the Senate. There's 34 of them and 163 state representatives. They have the ability to kill a bill or hold a bill, and Denny Hoskins is doing that, and I believe it's over one issue. He wants the gaming machines that you see at your VFW, American Legion, or filling stations to be included in that bill, or he's not going to vote to let the bill free up to where we could get the sports books. It's, it seems odd to me that, what did you say, 163 state reps and 34 senators? How, how, yes, sir. How could the Senate have that kind of power over the state reps? Well, because the state reps are split. You know, it's Republican-Democrat. However, there's real right-wing, and as you well know, there's that progressive real left-wing now. They call them snowflake. Well, anyway, there's us in the middle that had worked together to pass bills. But the Senate has that power to hold that bill and stop it and if and not send it back to the House. It could be amended, and they'd send it back to the House, but he's not amending it. He's just holding it. And how does Which one be, guy have the power to do that in the Senate? Well, they just that's the power that they have. And when they stake on one thing, from what I understand, he has put his political career on this issue. He's got one more year to serve in the, in the Senate. You can serve eight years. You can serve eight years in the House. I worked with him in the State House. He um, was residing, presiding over the House one day because a lot of people will sit in for the Speaker of the House and preside. And he was presiding one day, and there was a big rally going on for organized labor. It was when the right-to-work issue hit. And he had the sent the House chamber doors locked because they didn't want any of the people coming in. Well, I raised my hand, and he knew what I was going to talk. He called me up to the podium. He said, what are you going to do? I said, this is the people's house. You don't have the right to lock these doors. Every citizen of the state of Missouri deserves the right to come in here. And he did. He said, okay, Bob, I agree with you. I'll open the doors. And in other words, he did that so I wouldn't make a big argument on the floor and cause a big fury, but he then unlocked the doors. Um, he was always fair with me. Why he's doing this and staking his reputation and his Senate seat, because he can't run after a year, he'll be done, um, is beyond me. Why he won't let us have the sports book is beyond me. And I'm, I've read that the Cardinals and the Royals are talking about putting it on the ballot and letting the voters decide. If, if that's is that an easy procedure? It you know that's a procedure they were trying to make harder uh, to get a petition issue onto the ballot. They're able to do it, and they're still able to do it. And usually, that's the best way: put it before the people. And I would agree that that stops the individual egos, so to speak, from taking over 
and saying, I'm going to stop this because I don't like it. And the state would benefit. But I think that's a long, arduous procedure and would take at least through next year. And it would, unless the governor would call a special session, put it on that agenda only, pass it, sign it in August, and it would be on a November ballot. If he doesn't do that, it would wait till the following November to be on the ballot. So if the governor calls a special session, uh, then it becomes up to the Senate and the House to vote on whether or not that would be put on the ballot? And does that yes. need, does that need a simple majority in the House and the Senate, or does it need a two-thirds majority? No, a simple majority, and it would pass. And unless they put a um, – there's a clause they can put on called an emergency clause, which the bill would sign immediately. It's really hard to get an emergency clause on any bill. So I would imagine, yes, that uh, they'll do simple majority if the government governor decides to do it. Now, don't forget, the governor is on his last term as well. He's not going to run for office again. So politically, it can't hurt him. Politically, this can't hurt Denny Hoskins. So it's a real catch-22 when you think about over 6 million people and over, what, a $54 million billion budget is being held up by one person in the state Senate. How can he hold it up just himself? Was there not a vote taken in the Senate? How was he able to do this? They have a right, and that's one of the reasons I didn't run for Senate. I served eight years in the House, but I didn't want any part of that. I didn't want any part of dealing with, with those kind of egos is the only way I can describe it, and those kind of positions that would stop a whole state for this one issue. And when you think about it, a lot of people – the American legions, the VFWs who have, you know, machines in their buildings and that there's their, their members come and play and they make a little money off it. Nobody wants to put that in a bill and stop them from doing that. Why he would be hanging his hat on this. Why would he wouldn't do, go ahead and sign the sports book and then do a separate vote on those machines. Yeah. And the poker machines that gave me, that would be the logical way to do it. Um, you, you know, in this business, there are public servants and there's politicians. I never considered myself a politician. I consider myself a public servant. You're here to serve the public. This is what the public wants. You do it. But something to be held up like this just just beyond me. Bob Burns is our guest. He's a former Missouri State rep. We're talking about the Missouri State gambling, a sports gambling bill being held up by one senator from Warrensburg. Denny Hoskins, and he brags, Bob, he brags about him being a guy that's known as someone who holds bills up. Why would someone consider that a feather in your cap? You know, I have no idea, Kevin. If he He's a CPA, you know, and most CPAs I've talked to are very, every line, every figure, you know, perfect. And that's okay. That's their prerogative. But why he would brag on this, unless he's thinking about running for a United States representative or a statewide office. But I don't see how he could run for a statewide office and be holding up us from Sportsbook when every other state around us has it. And we're losing money. We're losing tax money for schools, tax money for senior citizen issues, handicap issues, all kinds of these issues that we're losing money. We could be making those money. Because, look, I mean, where I live, right by the J.B. Bridge, people can jump over to Illinois and use a sports book. They can do it over at the former Fairmount Racetrack. 
you know, in Kansas City, they could, don't even have to go across a bridge. They just drive across the street. So why we wouldn't take advantage of bringing in that tax money when people are, when the figures have proved it out, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I was going to ask you how much has the estimates been because when you're taxing all of this gambling revenue, you're you're taxing bookies, you're taxing everything, you're taxing the casinos on sports gambling. People would go to the sports books all the time. Weekends, the, those places would be packed. You'd have more jobs. You'd have more people employed. It is a home run for the state. Financially, it's a financial windfall. And like you said, all of those things that are going to benefit from that extra revenue are going to be are going by the wayside. I don't know how a single person would vote for this guy. You know, I don't either. It's a super conservative issue, and I don't cons- I don't criticize any. I'm I'm a Democrat, but I'm not a progressive. I deal with a lot of Republicans, but ones who are not super conservative, right wing. There are people in the middle who get the job done. It's been that way in the United States Congress, the Senate. It's that way in the state. And I can't understand why someone would be who's college educated, the CPA, and when you talk to him, Denny Hoskins is a really nice person. I mean, I consider him someone you say hello to. You know, not a personal friend, but a friend. And how I haven't spoken to him. I've spoken to a couple other people who are, are working on this issue. And it is just beyond me how someone could dig their heels in, cause a whole state to suffer, particularly our schools. You know, our schools in such jeopardy now, they need the funding, especially for the extra security. You know, after shootings in schools, we have to have that security. We have to have officers in the schools. That costs money. And how someone could dig their heels in and not think about these issues over this these machines have been around for quite a while. Oh, yeah. And the issue is, it, it's Kevin is beyond me. I, I, I could sit here all day, all year, and not come up with an answer <laughs> why he would be doing such a thing. Uh, the one thing I have learned, though, when you get into public office, again, there's public servants and there's politicians. Now, you see that. I see that on both sides of the aisle. These people that get in and think it's their show, you know, I never did call the office I occupied in Jefferson City my office. It's the people of the 93rd District's office. It's it's not mine. It's their seat on the House floor. And that's the way that I was taught in this business. And that's the way I learned. And I can't under, again, I, I keep saying it, but it's, it's astounding to me that someone would hold this up when our state could be benefiting and the people could be benefiting. When I mentioned the Cardinals and the Royals perhaps getting together and uh, getting it on the ballot, why have the Cardinals and Royals not done that already? It seems to me that the Chiefs would be involved as well, maybe the Blues as also. All of these these professional teams, I, I guess the university uh, down in Columbia, they probably wouldn't get involved, pretending, of course, that no one bets. And and I, But I can't understand why the four professional teams, the Royals, the Cardinals, the Chiefs and the Blues haven't gotten together and done this before now, long before now, because doesn't it benefit them? The NFL puts up an injury list out every week, and that's designed for one reason, to let all the betting people know who's injured. So it benefits the league. It's the exposure, I guess. You know, I think, um, and I'll make an example here. I think all the sports teams are afraid to get involved in a political issue. And I'll tell you why. Look at what happened to Bud Light. 
that is a highly political issue. They took a stand, and look what it's done to their sales, their market share. <laughs> and I think, seriously, these professional teams look at that, and I think they're doing well, you know, with what they're making with their franchise, and, and God bless them for that. But I think that's basically the reason you don't usually see sports people get involved in a political issue, and this is a highly political issue that so many people are weighing in on. And I think that's basically the reason. Is there a lot of resistance among the people of the state, though? Has anybody pulled the, the people and, and found that maybe 70% want the sports betting, 30% don't? Because then it wouldn't be such a political hot potato if it's not controversial. Uh, the Bud Light thing, of course, was controversial because you're talking the transgender thing. So there was yeah. a lot of controversy in that. And, of course, that that was a situation where Bud Light uh, refused to acknowledge its own constituents. I mean, the, the, yeah. the guys the guys drinking Bud Light are not transgenders. So it, it yeah. amazes me that that happened. But this, I think, is a little different. And the distinction I draw is that if the people of the state want it, the Cardinals and Royals and Blues and Chiefs shouldn't be afraid of it because it's not that political hot potato that the transgender issue was. I agree with that. And, you know, Jefferson City has lobbyists. They all do polling. Everyone has polling data. Um, they have it. I'm sure these the big major companies do, and they could tell you right now. They probably have the figures at their fingertips, and I'll bet you it is sixty to seventy percent minimum of the state that wants sports books and would vote for it. The only thing they have to get petition signed for that in the eight state United States representatives districts to get that on the ballot. Uh, that takes a lot of, you know, legwork, going door to door, getting people to sign. Um, but I would agree. I think that would be the way get in front, get it in front of the people. And and you said that the governor could call a special. Uh, what did you say it was a special vote? Special. They call it special session. They usually have a veto session where they call you back in, and any bills that the governor vetoed, you get a chance to override those vetoes in the House and Senate. You can't make amendments on them, but you can vote to override the veto. Now, some of them get overridden and some of them don't. He could call a special session, just not a veto, special session for this bill. Now, we know that he knows those numbers, the data. He knows what the people want. And like you said, he's he's uh, in the final term, so he's not running for re-election as governor. So it wouldn't hurt him either way, but wouldn't he want his legacy to go out as someone who ushered in the sports betting era and, you know, gave to the will of the people? Well, speaking for someone who has met the governor, consider him a friend as well. The governor, in my experience with him, thinks about a lot of things that benefit the state. As a matter of fact, when uh, Greiton, Governor Greiton was being moved out and Lieutenant Governor Parson was being moved up, he walked through the house one day the house chamber. And I said, uh, Lieutenant, do I call you Lieutenant governor governor? He looked me right in the eye. He said, you call me Mike, just like always. Yeah. I like that. You know, he's that kind of guy. And I'll tell you something else. Lieutenant governor. Now my keyhole is cut out of that same bolt of cloth. I'll guarantee you my keyhole is for these sports books. And hopefully in my opinion, there are different people running, but I hope my keyhole wins this election. Because he's a guy that started from scratch washing cars at Dave Sinclair Ford. 
end up owning his own Ford dealership. Dave Sinclair helped him. He's been a great lieutenant governor, works on both sides of the aisle. Then he comes through the house and talks to me. I talked to him several times. Um, but anyway, I would think that Governor Parsons and, and Lieutenant Governor Kehoe would be for this in a heartbeat because it benefits the state and brings in more tax revenue. Well, that's what I'm thinking. And so, you know, what would, what would argue against Mike Parson calling this special session? Well, uh, it would, I don't know. You know, there again, I'm not, that's, that's higher than my grade level. I've never been up that high. I mean, I used to, I worked for Congress and Dick Gephardt, you know, and I was in those meetings and met the president through that, but I've never been in on those kind of high echelon meetings when they take everything into consideration. The only thing is that could be hurting this is that right now the state of Missouri has a huge surplus. They're bringing in more money than they've ever brought in. That could stop them. You know, if they were really in deficit spending and all that, then they could say, well, we got to do this. And then a guy like Hoskins would say, okay, I'll let up. But they've got all this money to spend. They're fixing roads. They're going to redo Highway 70 from St. Louis all the way through Kansas City. I mean, they've got plenty of money, and I think that that would be the one issue that that my, that um, Hoskins is saying. Well, we got all this money. What do you need extra money for? <laughs> well, I can tell you what you need extra money for because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're not always going to have a surplus. And and I've never heard of a politician who would say, uh, you know, we got enough money. Screw it. Uh, it seems to me if Parson were smart, smart, and 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 somebody says that to him, he'd just start laughing at them like we just did. Uh, because you can never have too much money. That's for doggone sure. And as you pointed out, all of these other areas that aren't going to get that kind of extra money are going to suffer as a result. And the schools especially important, even though we might be operating in a surplus, which, of course, over in Illinois, they don't understand. They've never seen a surplus, I'm sure. Uh, but but we are. And, you know, th- this is where the rich need to get richer. And, and in order for the sports betting casinos to be open – all we have to do is convince somebody to call a special session. You you mentioned signatures earlier. Is is there a way for the people to sign a ba- uh, uh, a petition and and get yes and get it on the I'm ballot? Fired. Yes, you can. Uh, the petition gets signed. They did it when they were fighting um, right to work. The unions went out and set a record and got enough signatures in every every United States representative district to get that on the ballot. And the people overwhelmingly voted down right to work. They can do that. People can take initiatives to do that. Uh, the different senators or different representatives from the areas who want sports book to get the petition signed. And then it's just a matter of getting people to sign it. And then those, those all those signatures has to be, have to be verified at the secretary of state's office. Now, I don't know where, um, Attorney, I mean, Ashcroft is on this. Uh, he's a secretary of state, but he has to verify all the signatures on the petition. They could do it because, I mean, I was there when they delivered those from the unions against right to work, and it was a truckload. And they did it, got on the ballot, and then defeated right to work. So this could be done. I mean, that's an arduous process and takes a lot of money and a lot of legwork and volunteers to do it. How many How many signatures are needed for something like that? Let's see, I think the number they got was uh, 340,000, 360,000, something like that. 
And how long does it take Ashcroft to verify all those signatures? I remember when they were delivered, it didn't take long. Um, I would say maybe, I don't know, 30 days. They're, they have ways of doing that. And there, again, I wasn't on the process. I was there when they delivered those those petitions and was on some of those petition signing things. Um, and a lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, let me go take this, get my neighbor will sign and this and that. And so, but the verification is done. They've, they've done it out at St. Louis County Board of Elections many times. So it, it, they're able to do it. The, the main thing is getting those the signatures on the petitions. And let's say I wanted to do that. Let's say I took a – how would I do that? Just take a petition and go door-to-door and, and have people sign it? And then how do they verify somebody's signature? Do they compare the signature like on, on someone's birth certificate? Or not birth certificate, but their their driver's license? Like, yeah, like the voting records, and they can check it on tax rolls and all those kinds of things. You know, that's another thing. Everybody worries about their personal information. When you pay your taxes and your social security, I mean, everyone has your and personal information. That's true. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, you're, it's no deep, dark secret. You know, I've been paying taxes like for over 50 years. And, you know, I told my, I told my wife, I didn't tell her I mentioned this to her because I can't tell her anything. You know, Diane, she's <laughs> 57 years and she's the better 99 and 9 tenths percent of this relationship. I said that at a school board meeting one time and one of my coaches said, Bob, you're giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> so, well, you need to learn, so anyway, you, you need to learn the Al Sharpton way of paying taxes. Just don't pay him. Well, that's the thing. You know, uh, it, the way this, the way our country is going, I mean, people not taking responsibility um, and never even caring about responsibility. That, that's not the America I grew up in. Just like this thing. And like I say, I don't want to, I don't think Debbie Haskins is a bad person. I do not at all. But I don't know why he's digging his heels in on this when the state could be benefiting. Yeah. And all this money, you know, particularly the rural schools. I mean, we live in Afton. Afton's doing well, you know, Rockwood, Ladue, Clayton. But you get in the rural areas, they're having to cut down to four days a week on school. That's ludicrous. That's terrible in America. They don't yeah. have they don't have the, the Internet. It, it's just awful. You know, some it's schools don't have enough books. Yeah, that's unheard that of. In, in the richest country in the world, this is going on, and we have a way to help them, and we're not helping them. Bob Burns That's is our guest. He's a former Missouri State rep. We're talking about the sports gambling bill that was killed in the Senate by one guy, Denny Hoskins of Warrington. Uh, Bob, before I let you go, I want to get clear in my head. How does one particular person hold a bill up like this? Does it? Didn't it go for a vote in the Senate? The 34 senators had to vote, and I don't know what that vote was. Uh, but But how can one guy be responsible for it? Is he the deciding vote? No. He just put an objection on a bill and held it. Mm. And they it's had the simple, ability huh? to do that in the Senate. That's why I say the Senate was so convoluted. Um, they do good things, but they didn't, they can do things like this. Or you get a good bill going through that's going to benefit people from the House. It gets approved and some senator pulls it and won't let it go through. Unbelievable that they would give that kind of power. Is that typical in every state? I think it is, but I think what happens is you start getting people working together. And if you recall, it was mentioned the Republicans control the House and the Senate, state of Missouri. But in the Senate, there were like two or three factions. And those factions of the Republicans were fighting amongst each other. 
And that held up a lot of things because really a Republic, a democratic center, democratic house member, you don't really have the ability to do anything without the other side helping. And that's but being in the, they call a veto proof majority. We're in a veto proof minority. <laughs> you know, that's not that right. That's not the right word, but you know, when you have such a small minority in the house and Senate, and that's not to say there wouldn't be a Democratic senator that says, I'm going to hold this up, too. But that's just the way the procedure has been written and it's been adhered to for so long. But usually they can come out and they'll make a compromise. You know, that politics back yeah. and forth. Isn't the governor some, can make it. Isn't there some you know, horse horse trading that goes on? Uh, hey, we, you, know, you, you let us go with this bill. We'll give you something else on the back end on something that you really – passionate about and and does parson jump in and start to twist some arms too can he i'm, I'm sure he can i don't know if he is well, on this case yeah he can you know the governor i mean let's face it that budget they'll be proposing where something's going to go and and for example i was in when they were wanting to close um the air uh, fort leonard wood and then right whiteman air force base well, we all got together. They took us to uh, Fort Leonard Wood on buses, set it in house to convince people that wasn't to be. Well, the senator, U.S. senators were there, Ashcroft, I mean, uh, our two senators, McCaskill and um, I, can't, I can't think of his name right now at the top of my head. Holly? Anyway, no, not Holly. Before oh, before, Holly. before, before uh, Holly was in. Yeah, and, you know, he'd been Roy in a Blunt, long time. I guess, would have been the other one. But it was Blunt was there. Several of the U.S. representatives were there, and we got that thing stopped because they realized that Fort Leonard Wood meant about $4 billion a year to the state of Missouri. Whiteman Air Force Base is where all the B-2 bombers take off from. And so the issue is, and what happens, one time I remember Tom Foley was defeated as Speaker of the House. He lost to his election. They had a huge Air Force Base in the state he was in, Next thing, one of the one of the uh, congressmen, U.S. representative with less seniority, got a new Air Force base and they closed that one in Tom Foley's state. Crazy. So that's kind of stuff. And you know, that's when you're saying about power the governor has. The power has governor has power. You know, I mean, all the MoDOT parking garages. Well, we're going to put one in your county. And we're going to pull it out of this county. So yeah, that's called horse trading or political horse trading. That stuff is possible. It happens behind the scenes. It's not publicized. But I'm sure that unless they've talked to Denny Hoskins and he's that set with his heels stuck in the ground, I'm not going to change. I don't care what you say to me. Now, that that rule needs to be changed. I mean, that that shouldn't be allowed that one guy could hold up something that benefits the entire state. That's nonsense. I agree with you. You know, my wife, I mentioned her again. God bless her. When I first got in, she said something to me that I've kept in, on my mind. She said something. I was saying something, and she looked at me, and she says, get over yourself. You know what? Hoskins needs to get over himself. Let this bill pass and let the state of Missouri benefit. Could not agree more, Bob. Whew, and that, that, but that rule has to go. That's, I bet you, I'll bet you that 99.9% of the people listening to us right now are not aware of that because I would count myself among that group had I not had you on and talked about it. I had no idea that one person could hold up a bill like that just because well, he doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want it. There's, he's got, he's got legitimate reasons why he wants that other bill to be, be put in with it. 
And that's a tax source too. But that's a whole other can of worms, you know. And you see these machines at every filling station. Sure. You, you drive to Jeff City, you stop to get gas, you see them in there. To get that under control is going to be a big deal. And that could be worked but on this, separately. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. S- separate the thing. They could do this, get the sports books, be like every other state around us, bring that revenue back. Well, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you one other example. I ran for county council, and I got over 34,000 votes, and I lost to the incumbent in the 3rd District. Well, out by the J.B. Bridge, when I was running, Mobile Mart talked to me and said, we've been wanting to put a station here on the St. Louis side, Missouri side. And I said, well, why why don't you do that? He said, they said this councilman, Trachus, has been holding it up. I, I checked into that. That mobile mart right there by the J.B. Bridge on the Missouri side would bring an additional $300,000 into the Melville School District. And I thought, how ludicrous. How (laughs) ludicrous is that? I mean, there's just no common sense or there's ego. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're dealing with egos. Why wouldn't he sign for that? Why wouldn't he let that mobile mart be? Other storage facilities wanted to be built. When I ran, I had many Republicans who got behind me. Because I said, look, I'm for business. I'm for bringing revenue into the state of Missouri. Why would you want to, and especially since our gas prices are so much less than Illinois gas prices, why the heck wouldn't you want that here? Makes it perfect sense, which is, why, make, which is why it didn't happen. <laughs> well, like I say, I mean, there's. I could give you example after example. I could give you example of some that actually get got critical. Oh, I'm sure. that That little boy who drowned out of the Kennedy Rec Center, the little six-year-old boy, that was a political decision. That pool should have never been opened up with one lifeguard for 40 kids. That's absurd. Because of a politician, I'm not going to mention a name, because of a politician sent an email, that pool got opened up. And neither Sam Page or this Trakers has done anything about it. The family now is suing St. Louis County. My wife did child daycare at home for 40 years. Could you imagine one of the families brought their child here when they came to pick their child up? We're sorry your child died here today. Yeah, that'd be brutal. That's how. That's how terrible. Well, when we were kids and we went to servant. when we were kids and went to the public uh, pool, there were two or three lifeguards. Right. So that's one right. one lifeguard for forty kids is absurd, and that's criminal, and they ought to be sued. And I hope they lose. Bob, I'm afraid the days of good politicians like yourself who are in the middle and who want to actually make money for the state they represent are gone. It's all selfish egos that drive some of these people now, and the power that's invested in a state senator who can do this is ridiculous. But, man, we uh, we appreciate the education you gave us here today. Do you, Could I have, like, 15 seconds more? Sure. One of the bills I passed was the Veterans Heroes Highway Bill, and on the bottom of the signs it says Funeral Processions. That was protect to protect our our veterans on Telegraph Road going to Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery. Somebody had broken into a funeral and killed one of the Patriot Guard riders, and that's why I wrote the bill. And got it it got passed. House Senate signed by the governor. And when you go down Telegraph Road, it's called Veterans Heroes Highway Road now, going towards Jefferson Barracks, you see these signs. And on the bottom it says Funeral processions. That's to remind people it's against the law to break into a funeral procession. I passed that bill, but it was going to cost $3,200 to get that bill passed. I attended a funeral 
for a Af- an African-American Vietnam veteran who laid in the city morgue for 13 months. My God. Family wouldn't bury him. He didn't have any money. Go to Michael's funeral home. I met the gentleman who paid for that funeral. His name was Bob Romantic. Bob Romantic said to me, what are you doing? I said, I've got this bill, but I, I have to raise the money. He said, how much is it? I said, it's $3,200. He pulled his checkbook out and wrote a check for me and said, here. That's oh, the pe- the guy who people wanted to criticize. Yeah. Bob yeah. Romantic, our dear friend. A, a, a great friend, a guy that I worked for, a guy that we missed terribly, a guy that wasn't afraid to stand up to these powerful jerks because he made enough money to tell him to go pound salt. And boy, yep. did he take his money very quietly and do the things you just described. He did it all the time. They called him a racist, and yet he spent $250,000 of his own money refurbishing the parks over in East St. Louis so the little black kids had a place to play. Yep. That's what and a racist a he was. Fish. Yes, he did. Amazing stuff. Boy, that's a, that's a great story. Carpe diem to Bob, and may he rest in peace. And Bob Burns, you are a hero to us as well, and we thank you for visiting with us today and giving us the skinny on the sports gambling bill. God bless you, Kevin. Back at you, Bob. Tell your wife hello. All right, buddy. You take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. That's unbelievable, folks. I cannot believe that our state rules allow one state senator to block a bill. I, I, I find that impossible to believe. At the time they adopted that, who thought of it? And who thought it would even pass? So we've got all this gambling revenue, sports gambling revenue, ready to come into the state. Instead, it's going across the state borders, as, as Bob just said. If, if you're down in the southern part of Missouri, down in Afton, Jefferson Barracks, you just go right across the bridge. And you're in Illinois, you can do your sports betting there. If you're down in the city, you can go over to uh, Belleville. If you're up north, you go to Alton. If you're west in the western part of the state, you go to Kansas, drive right across the road. This is absurd. And all that money for all of those good causes is not coming into Missouri. And for anybody, if this Denny Hoskins thinks, well, we've got enough money, we don't need any more, you're crazy, boy. There's something wrong with you. There's no such thing as too much money in a state. But how sad is that, that that one guy can hold up that bill? I don't know what it takes to get through to Parson, but, boy, somebody ought to, somebody really ought to because uh, so, he needs to know about this. Good morning or good afternoon, Matt. How are you? Oh, I'm well, Mr. Slayton. Great interview, great information. And, and if you look, it's all greed because the machines are already out there. They're just mad that. This one guy is upset, Haskins, that they're missing out on pennies uh, because yeah. they're missing out on the machines. That the, we're, they're getting – they made something like $5 billion with a B in the first half of the year from the marijuana tax. How much money is enough? This guy's holding it up for literally $300,000 or $3 million, something like that. They, they can't track slot money. And this guy's fighting over it. You cannot track no, money. The best way to launder money is with coins. Or and, or like Biden does, open some shell businesses <laughs> and you can launder it that way. But no, all joking aside, I mean, yeah. this is ridiculous that this guy it has is. this kind of power. I, I, I'm stunned that any one person in the state has that kind of power. Yeah, if they make a motion to uh, in the Senate, as I understood it, 
um, listening to another uh, great radio guy, uh, former speaker Tim Jones, covered some of this before about a week ago, that just because he wants to put a motion or something on the bill, and then he they are basically filibustered it, and it passed the deadline. The session's over, so they and they won't bring it back up till next year, like yeah. you said, unless they come special, special. And this mayor, or I'm sorry, governor, like you said, he's lame duck. He's not going to do anything to help the state. I mean, this he he can barely talk. I mean, yeah, it, he's done. He's probably put in his time. Yeah, uh, that's like a lot of these guys do. You know, not not many of them stand up for really what's important in the state. Although uh, the way Bob Burns talked about Parson, he might be that kind of guy. But I would hope, and, and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I would hope that something's happening that people are lobbying him uh, to go ahead and call a special session and get this accomplished because this is crazy. All right, Matt, it I got is. a break, but thank you. No, I appreciate it. Great, great information, and keep it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Our good friends at Monster Energy Drink bringing you our sports show. Folks, when you need that boost, that push, that focus, that punch of energy, Monster Energy Drink is the place to go. Monster is the world's greatest skiers, skaters, boarders, bikers, rockers, racers, gamers, and girls. And they have a relentless pursuit of victory, of being your best. That's what Monster Energy Drink stands for. Monster Energy, unleash the beast. We're back with more after this.
And we welcome you back in, Kevin Slayton, with you in the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Wendell World, Kings Court, our sports show right here on kevinslaytonshow.com. Our phone lines are open for you, 636-348-4460. This show, of course, will be podcast right here on our website. It'll also be on Apple, Amazon, Google, and Spotify, and Anchor. And any place you listen to great podcasts, you can find our Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Wendell World, Kings Court. Our good friends at stl-cars.com want you to know how easy it is to get a car or a vehicle of any kind these days. You don't have to go to a dealership and bang your head against the wall on your day off work on a Saturday. You don't have to argue and scream about $15 of paperwork fees. You can simply go to stl-cars.com, look at the entire selection of their arsenal of vehicles, cars, trucks, SUVs, over a 1,000 of them on the website. Pick the one you want. And then call 314-626-3251. 314-626-3251. Ask for Don. You can text also. Text or call. And tell him, here's the one I want, and here's what I want to pay for it. And then he'll go get it for you. They have a tremendous inventory of automobiles and cars and trucks all throughout the country. And they'll get it for you. They'll deliver it to you. I've had three delivered to me. My son has had one delivered to him. His came from Alabama. My last one came from Memphis. So this is how it works, and it's that simple. If if you look at all of the cars on the website and you can't find one that exactly fits what you want, call them, tell them, this is what I want, and then they'll go find it. 314-626-3251. We've had listeners and friends of mine who've gone to stl-cars.com. They've gotten trucks, SUVs, cars, doesn't matter. They've got a concierge, a VIP a service department too. So you got all of this from stl-cars.com, locally owned and operated, right there in Ellisville off Manchester Road. 314-626-3251 and ask for Don. I'm going to have to pop open a Monster Energy drink here. Don't you love the claw logo of the Monster Energy drinks? You can't beat it. They do things differently at Monster. And they love to tell you that it's not just a drink, it's a lifestyle in a can. And it really is. Our phone line's open at 636-348-4460. I'm at a loss to try to figure Missouri out, really. When you can take a look at a sports gambling bill that benefits so many people, and one person can hold it up. It's terrible. That's tragic. And sadly, the media doesn't give it the publicity it deserves, and it needs, because it needs to get public support around it. That's how you get things done sometimes. Bob Burns, the former Missouri State rep, described that arduous task of going out and getting enough signatures on a petition. That is quite a task, and that takes money, and that takes time. But I'm surprised that the casinos aren't screaming bloody murder. And maybe they are privately. Maybe they've called Parson themselves. But that's a a frightening proposition. And as uh, Bob Burns mentioned, this is something that all of the states around us are doing. We're the eyesore right in the middle of states that understand what's going on. It's amazing, isn't it? How can we be so bizarre? But we are, and here we sit in the oasis of sports gambling where the state's raking millions in revenues and we sit and have nothing. Because of one guy. I don't get it. 
I'll never get it. That's too strange for me. But I would hope the Cardinals, especially the Cardinals, and the Blues and the Chiefs and the Royals would all get together and lobby. They don't have to lobby publicly. They've got lobbyists. They can get things done behind the scenes. If they're afraid of that, that would be a little bit controversial for them. But keep this in mind. Bob and I were talking about politics and sports and that some teams don't want to get involved. But most teams are doing it now. I mean, look at all of the teams like the Cardinals that foolishly ingested themselves into the Black Lives Matter nonsense. Baseball itself got involved in it. The NFL is involved in it still. The NFL still has that stupid end racism in their end zones. Knock it off. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. We're getting ready for NFL football. It's coming up. Training camp's open later this month. College football. The camp's open usually the middle or around the 20th of August. I don't know if that's going to help Missouri's chances at all. Eli Drinkshits, the Missouri head coach, ran into a friend of mine at the Mizzou Golf Tournament, and he told him that Missouri was going to have the best team he's had there yet. Well, he hasn't had a good team, so anything would be an improvement. But then he said they'll have a great defense, but bet the over on every game. So even the Mizzou football coach likes to bet. I don't know that he bets on his teams. He probably doesn't. But, I mean, he at least it's, it's a conversation among guys who are in sports. Of course it is. Quit quit having your head in the sand thinking people don't bet on games. They do. It's like the NCAA thinking that kids in college don't drink. I remember when the NCAA basketball tournament would come to St. Louis and they'd force the St. Louis Sports Commission to cover up, if you can believe this, with gigantic covers, the Bud Light signs or the Budweiser signs in the uh, – the, um, now, what the heck's the name of the building now? It's had like 17,000 names. Wherever the Blues play, I don't even know. Enterprise Center, whatever they call it. But they had to cover those signs up as if kids don't drink beer. And yet then you could walk out into the concourse and buy yourself a beer. <laughs> the frauds that run these operations are really totally, completely frauds. Oh, my God, if we have a Bud Light sign up there, college kids will think it's okay to drink. It's just insane. I can't believe that it even happens, but it does. I don't know if they still do it. And then, amazingly, those same games that were televised had Coors Light and Bud Light commercials on them. (laughs) So the NCAA will rake in millions of dollars in beer advertising and beer sponsorships, but they will not allow you to see the sign in the building. Go figure. But all I have to remember is that Mark Emmert was the president of the NCAA, and he is as corrupt as the day is long. So that explains a lot of things. Do you ever get the feeling that, whether it's politics or sports, that everybody that's in a position of authority is a numbnuts? And that we sit there and with our common sense, we know 500,000 times more than they do. Just just uh, describing some of the things that it would take to get this sports gambling bill passed, all of the work it would take. Why, why do they make it so difficult for ordinary citizens to get something accomplished? You and I could go into a room and ne- negotiate something and get it done in a matter of hours. Why can't they? I swear to God, he's, Bob's right. It's all egos. These people have, mon- we have monster energy drink. They have monster egos. It's crazy. You know what I want with my monster energy drink? I want a taco from Taco Bell, a soft shell taco. 
Maybe I'll get a $5 Crave menu item, a double chalupa with two tacos in a box with a soft drink, all for 5 bucks. <laughs> Don't forget, breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night, Taco Bell is your choice. And they're raring to go. They're waiting for you. They've got your name on a taco or maybe a burrito. You know what? I'm going to have to lobby Taco Bell, speaking of lobbying, because I want that grilled egg. Oh, that was a grilled egg egg and uh, something burrito that they used to have for breakfast. Man, it was spectacular. Great egg, egg and steak. The steak and egg burrito, that's what it was called. Steak and egg burrito. Mm-mm-mm. I get hungry thinking about it. Well, the Cardinals are playing again tonight. Yeah, they're going to play. They haven't just decided to forfeit the rest of the season, although after last night's debacle, you, you, who could blame them? But then again, they're the ones who brought it on, right? Nobody forced Jordan Hicks to throw the ball away. Tonight, Flaherty is pitching. He'll be going against Perez. If I, I wish Flaherty would pitch well so that some team would get interest in him. But with a 4.60 earned run average, he's going to be hard to move. And if he would have any kind of a consistent run, you might be able to deal him. But here's his last four games. Six innings against Texas, three hits, no runs. Then the next time out against the Giants, four and a third innings, ten hits, six runs. The next time out against lowly Washington, six and a third innings, ten hits, six runs. The next time against the Yankees, six innings, four hits, no runs. You talk about the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde, he's it. He is it. It's hard to move a guy whose earned run average in June was five and a half. But you'd love to move this guy. Get something for him. So hopefully he'll pitch well tonight. And maybe as the trade deadline looms, somebody will be interested in trading for him. Anybody. Bueller? Anybody. It's just crazy. Well, I'm excited for football. Our phone lines are open for you, 636-348-4460. If you'd like to weigh in on any of the things we've talked about, the sports gambling bill, the Cardinal debacle of last night, college football coming up, knocking on our door. Is there any other greatest greater season than college football season? Because here's what happens in September and October. You've got the end of the baseball season, so you've got playoffs. You've got the beginning of college football and NFL football. October hits, you've got the beginning of hockey. October is such a, an embarrassment of riches. We ought to save some of it for February because February has nothing. I mean, we've got hockey and the NBA going on, but that's it. Football's over. The Super Bowl ends it all. College basketball is going on. But it's not the college basketball tournament yet. So February needs a little dash of October. And I think that would help us all. <laughs> I guarantee that would help us all. 636-348-4460. Coming up here uh, still to come on our show is going to be my interview with Herman Boone. You know, he was the head uh, football coach at T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia in 1971. In fact, we're getting ready to cue that up for you. And we had Herman Boone on the show a couple, three times, I think three times before he passed away. And this is the actual coach that Denzel Washington played in the movie Remember the Titans, a movie that I've said, and I say it in the interview with Herman, that should be required viewing for all high school kids. Instead of wasting another day in class on some stupid inane topic, and instead of force-feeding critical race theory or some perverted uh, transgender ideas on kids, 
How about showing them Remember the Titans? Where they actually got together a bunch of kids and a football coach in high school and made the racial equation work. And they did it at a time that was turbulent, not like today. The 70s, coming out of the 60s, were red hot. And this was in 1971. And without further ado, let's welcome Herman Boone to our show a few years back. Williams High School in Alexandria. And Coach Boone joins us this afternoon. Hello, Coach Boone. How are you today? Hey, Kevin. How are you? Fine, thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for your time to talk today. We really appreciate it. Big fan of the movie. Big fan of what you were able to do back in 1971 at T.C. Williams High School. And, Coach, for those who aren't familiar, that was the year the school integrated, and uh, the city of Alexandria was in great turmoil. Uh, there were there were racial epithets everywhere. It was not a comfortable place to be, no matter if you were white or black, and you came into a very difficult situation. Well, that's true. Uh, the Alexandria City Schools were under tremendous pressure from the federal government to completely integrate uh, the school system in Alexandria. And they came up with a plan to consolidate three high schools in the city. And those that you know, I was named head coach of the consolidated integrated school over legendary coach, uh, Coach Yost, uh, you know, with a reputation second to none. And I'm sure by now, if you're old enough, Kevin, you know that uh, during the days of uh, racial integration of schools, the white coach invariably was named head coach of the integrated school. Uh, the black coach, regardless of his race, regardless of his record, was invariably named uh, to the assistant coach's position. And, of course, Alexandria broke the mold and named me head coach over Coach Yost. And as you say, over a legendary coach, which just added, I guess, added more pressure on your shoulders. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I became the center of controversy. And, uh, you know, Coach Yost a dynamite human being. And, you know, we became the best of friends. Contrary to many people's belief, we are today the best of friends. And But we, we, we found a way to put our differences aside. We found a way to celebrate our differences. We found a way to accept the soul of an individual rather than reject an individual based on the color of their skin. Thereby, our kids became the best of friends even today. And they, the main reason, I guess, is that they learned to respect each other to where respect became trust and trust became the emotional glue that bind that football team together. And once they learned to trust each other, they learned to talk to each other. And when they came back from Gettysburg, they marched throughout the state of Virginia, battling each opponent each week until they reached the pinnacle of football as a team. And I truly believe that a team is a group of people with one vision, with one objective. And I demand that all members of my team will have one heartbeat. And that, heart, that one heartbeat, I told the uh, University of uh, Illinois, that that my team developed one heartbeat. And when they beat Notre Dame, they came on, the coach came on the radio and said, yes, so we beat Notre Dame because we had one heartbeat. So I called wow. up and I said, well, that's my line. Why don't you give me the credit for it on the national radio? He said, oh, I forgot, coach. <laughs> How quickly they forget. You know, that's my line. How quickly you forget. Coach Herman Boone is with us on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Coach, you mentioned Gettysburg because you took your team, 
your racially divided team to Gettysburg for a preseason camp. And when you went there, everything wasn't hunky-dory. How did you get these kids and the coaching staff to come together the way you did? Well, first of all, I told the superintendent that there's no way in the world, I don't know of anybody that can, t- that can coach this racially divided team. Our, our visions of separateness were better developed than our visions of togetherness. There's no way in the world anybody can coach this team here in this town with undue racial tension and, oh, Jesus, racial tension was exploding. So he said, well, you know, we've we, we got to do it. And uh, he says, you know, I'll put my neck on the line for you, and uh, what you got to do, Coach, you got to make these kids like one another. I looked at him like he had lost his mind. <laughs> How in the world can coaches legislate love? How do you make people like one another? But go anywhere you want to go. Go anywhere you want to go. But bring this team back as a team that that we can all be proud of. So we went to Gettysburg. And that's a long story why I chose Gettysburg, because Gettysburg is a town where both two armies met each other, and for a three-day period, they killed all over 50,000 of each other. They didn't like one another. So I put, as a result of that confrontation and meeting there in Gettysburg, history tells us that, according to President Lincoln, that um, those armies became one on the one. We became one country, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So I figured, good Lord, if, uh, if we could become one country up there, well, maybe if I take my team, maybe we can become one team up there. And, you know, Kevin, it works. And it made me look like a genius. Well, I didn't know what I was doing in the man in the moon, but it made me look like a genius taking these kids. And I took them there. And I said, in the first team meeting, at Gettysburg, the white kids came up to me and said that they didn't like the fact that I was black, and the black kids, not to let them outdo me, that them came up to me and said, we don't like the fact that you ain't black enough for us. I said, hell, what a, what a welcome, you know? Yeah. I said, gentlemen, let me tell you one thing right now, and I'm going to tell you right now, R-A-T, and that's different from right now. I don't care if you like each other. Heck, I don't like half of y'all. <laughs> But you will respect each other to where respect becomes the emotional glue all teams in this country need to find themselves together as a team. And remember, I said right now, and I'm from North Carolina, and we say right now over right now, because right now means do it when you get around to it. Right now means if it comes from your mother, your father, North Carolina, R-A-T now means you got to do it so fast, the Lord won't find out about it till next week. <laughs> they knew I was not playing because I demanded then and I demanded now only that you respect each other. Why? Because every person on the face of this earth deserves to be respected. You don't have to like them. You don't have to live beside them. But you do have to respect people, and that's, that's the beginning of a consolidation of the team called the Titans. They respected each other until they got a chance to learn to know each other. And you know what? They're the best of friends today. And they say because I made them respect each other. It is an amazing story. And those who haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend you go get it. 
and, and coach the scenes from the preseason camp in Gettysburg where you spoke to the kids. You took them on a run and spoke to them around the graveyard of, of dead soldiers and, and told them how those people came together. When that team left camp, did you get that sense that they were together, that they did respect each other after you had encouraged well, them to, to the know each other? The, the day after we came back from the cemetery where they saw where young thousands of young kids, both from the north and the south, had killed each other and over the same thing that we're fighting now. The next morning at Gettysburg, they were eating together. They were sharing food out of each other's hands. Coming back on the bus, they sat together, they talked together to each other, and, you know, I even saw a black kid on the bus dancing to the to the country and western music. I knew I had a football team there. <laughs> Coach Herman Boone is our guest. Coach, when you look at the way things are today, are we going backwards? Because in, in reading some, some reports of that time in 1971 in Alexandria, there are people, important people in that city, who give you credit for saving the city. Well, President Nixon said in September 1971, that the team called the Titans saved the city of Alexandria and the school system by all means. And I don't know, I don't give myself that much credit, but in a town where, you know, the hometown of Robert E. Lee, we had some work to be done. And luckily we got the cooperation from the school board, we got the cooperation from the city council, and these people backed us by encouraging everybody to come to the game to see for themselves that this thing called black and white can work if you give it a chance, if you if you hope and you pray that people would learn to talk to one another, people would learn to respect each other. And that's exactly what's happened with the Titans. And little did I know that uh, we would become that famous, but thank God we did because as, as, that's the reason that Denzel Washington, the greatest actor in the world, and, and I, my opinion, I believe one of the greatest persons, I'm not talking about the actor, persons on the face of this earth, that's the reason he took that role. So he said he can show the world how you can learn to embrace diversity if you just give it a try. Coach, I... Just learn, I'm sorry. If you just learn to accept a person that don't look like you, a person that don't talk like you, if you can learn to accept the soul of that individual rather than reject that individual based on the color of his skin, and that's the essence of the movie Remember the Titans. Coach, I have advocated that all high schools require viewing of that movie when kids are in high school rather than try to teach them a course because that movie is a teaching lesson all by itself. Am I wrong on that? You're absolutely not wrong because the movie Remember the Titans is not about football. The movie is about how people can learn to celebrate their differences. And we are different. Everybody in this country, we're made up of, of different people, different languages and different foods and religions and culture. But we must learn to accept the individual and not reject that individual based on the color of his skin. And I truly believe that, and I, I go to my grave believing that. And, you know, we, we have developed. If you will look up the biography of the Titans, you'll see where these young men, once they became a team with one heartbeat and accepted all of the, the differences, amid all of their differences, then 
became a team. And, and now these young men, these young men are jet pilots, they're generals in the Army, they're lawyers, they're brain surgeon, surgeons in Mesa, Arizona, they're teachers, uh, they are, come from all colors and all cultures and all ra- racial, uh, racial beliefs. And you had a tragedy on that team uh, before the season was out with your linebacker, Gary Bertier, who was an All-American linebacker and one of the white kids who challenged the, the system when you took over as head coach. How did that affect your team as you as you finished it up? You can't replace a Gary Bertier. And I said that, and they put that in the movie. Gary Bertier became, from an avid racist, to an individual who stood and talked down racism and asked and demanded his teammates to talk to each other. And he became the best friend with Julius Campbell. And, of course, that friendship lasts until today where Julius goes out to his grave and cleans his graves off once a month. And they have a special bond with each other. Remember, Julius was a Black Panther and Gary was a, a racist. And, 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 but it, all, it, it shows that if you learn to talk to one another, people that don't look like you, people don't talk like you, maybe even eat the same food as you, if you can learn to accept that individual as a human being, then you will and we will all overcome. Coach, as you look at our situation in this country today, we've had so many instances in the past couple of years and, and it appears to me that the rhetoric has been ratcheted up and we're going backwards again. What message would it's you really, like to deliver? It's really unfortunate that the human beings of this country have turned to violence against each other because they were different colors. It's very unfortunate that the police have found a way to kill young black kids because all, all, Colors matter. White lives matter. Black lives matter. Asian lives matter. All all people of all generations and all cultures matter in the face of God. So who in the devil are we to choose which ones that don't matter and kill them? Which one that don't respect us and kill them? I feel so sorry for the officers' parents that were killed as much as I feel so so sorry for these young black kids that were killed. I passed, passed a car stopped by police yesterday, and the first thing I saw was these black young people, young boys, were holding their hands out of the window to say, hey, this is my hand. Don't shoot me. Yes, black lives matter. So do white lives matter. So do Asian. So do Arab. And all people, because we are all people of God. And we're never going to change that. And I hope people that's listened to this will give that thought a chance. We are all people of God. Find a way to talk to people. Find a way to understand people. Find a way amid all of our things that we were brought up to believe. Find a way to overcome your fear of diversity. That's an interesting way to put it as we talk with Coach Herman Boone of uh, the Remember the Titans movie in the Alexandria uh, 1971 uh, racial unrest at T.C. Williams High School. You said fear of diversity. I've never heard it put like that. 
Well, I just made it up today. <laughs> well, I think it's accurate. And that's what it is. I that's think it's accurate. It it's fear. It's fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear, you know, you look, you ask yourself, I asked some kids somewhere, I think it was Charlotte, North Carolina. If you walked in a room, if you're walking down the street at 12 o'clock at night, and you look behind you, and you saw three young boys walking briskly behind you, don't answer to me. Answer to yourself and God, what color would you pray they were? And that will tell you whether you have a fear of a diversity. That's three. What, what, what color would you pray those three boys were? Coach, can you share with us how you and Bill Yost were able to work together and understand each other and respect each other? Because as you said, that was a highly charged situation. Here was a legendary high school coach in Alexandria. You were named by the school district to be the head coach, as different as it was at that time. And he, the assistant coach, how did you make that work? And who was the person who initiated that conversation and respect? Well, it was, I'm not going to lie to you, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. I never coached the white kids. Bill Yost never coached the black kids. And we found ourselves roommates at Gettysburg. And conversation was very difficult to come about. We had to find a way to open our mouths with each other. Uh, he suspected or he believed that uh, I, because I'm black, time had come to require that I would take his job. Well, that wasn't true. And to ask about Bill Nelson, I, we are two different persons. Uh, we like to say that uh, Bill Yost is a, uh, a Catholic priest type of coach, and I'm a Wood of Hayes. I'm upside one side of you and down the other. But the thing that we have in common is that we learn to hug, hug our, our kids and to hug our kids transform narrow-minded thinking by us being roommates and sharing ideas and coming up with defenses and coming up with offenses. We learn to talk to each other. And Bill Yost would say to people in his speeches around the country that he learned that not only was Herman Boone a simple, I mean, a simple and caring person, but he was also a disciplinarian. And Bill is a, he's a happy-go-lucky, slow talker, uh, never curse, uh, never fussed a kid out. Uh, all of those things, uh, the risk was laid to me. But the person, Bill Yost, there is no better human being on the face of this earth. And he's had some connections with uh, racial groups in Alabama, but after learning to talk to me, he tells people all over the country that I'm one of the most decent individuals that he's ever met in his life. And, and I tell you the truth, uh, Kevin, uh, if we don't talk with each other, sometimes during the week, one of us is dead. And we find a way to talk to each other. We find a way once every two weeks to have breakfast with each other and find out how we're doing because we care. And, and, and he says in his speeches, he found out that Herman Boone believed that you can't fake caring. 
Boy, that's uh, genuine. You cannot fake caring. No. It'll come out. I cared for those kids, and I cared for those who believed in me. And I don't know, man. Maybe this is movie material, but I never thought of it. But I'm glad that this movie came out so that we can teach our young people to learn to respect the soul of an individual that don't look like us, don't talk like us, but God knows that we all are children of God. Coach Herman Bill. I believe that. I believe that. I I wanted to... I I don't know. I I wanted to ask you, how much did your spiritual beliefs play into your ability to to be able to share this with Coach Yost and vice versa? Well, I don't know what he thought I meant, but I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. My spiritual belief is very private, but when it's time for it to come out, I don't mind letting it out. And I am a believer in God, and I will always be a believe God, so my whole family, and I use God as my spiritual leader, and, you know, you, you, you got many kids on your team of different cultures. And maybe, you know, that God is another name for mine, and I respect that. And that's where the word respect, to where respect becomes the emotional glue, we all need to bind our communities together. And it will come out if it's there. Coach, what did, can you share with us the, the advice your father gave you? I read that in an article, and I loved it. <laughs> Well, my father used to give me all kind of advice. My father was a man who who would get in your face and tell you, boy, when you win the race and cross the finish line, don't forget to go back to the barn and take care of the horse if you rode across the finish line. I never thought about that until I became a young man. I used to say my father had all kinds of sins and and beliefs, and he would say, uh, boy, when you hear the word less, run your hand pass on. I, heard, I know that you didn't understand what I said. When you hear the word less, whatever comes behind that word from a teenager is something to get in trouble with. I never forgot that. You think about it. Let's get high. Let's rob that old man. Let's skip school. Let's skip class. Let's do that. Usually, bad things that come from the mouth of a young person is preceded by the word let's. And he, my father had all kinds of, of things, but he believed in God. And let me tell you something. You better get your hind parts into that church on Sunday morning. You better be in that choir, too. <laughs> he, he, used, he used to spend some time in, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, when he was on the uh, work group or work gang or something. And he he, he 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 used to come home and say, oh, "Boy, you better you better went to that store and you better not lost that money." <laughs> and we said, "Daddy, Daddy, you're supposed to say you better go to that store and you better not lose that money." You hear what I said? You better went to that store and you better not lost that money. So, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it because I could always depend on something solid from him. And and you know, I, it's called beliefs. And I read. Vince Lombardi, when he said, to believe is to have faith, but watch your faith, watch your belief, because your belief become your thoughts. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your, op- 
your, your organization, your habit. And watch your habits because your habits become your character. And any person that's not with character, you'll never have a legacy. You'll this, never have a legacy. This, this used to say to us, my father used to say to us, listen, I'm not going to tell you to be in this house by 7 o'clock. Because when you ask a kid what time you, you, you're supposed to be home, he's going to say about 7. And he would go in his side pocket and pull out this gold watch and say, do you see a bottle on this watch? You will be in this house on 659. Is there any parts of those numbers that you do not understand? <laughs> I love that. That's, that's... I ain't got no choice. So I never told my kids that practice started at 4 o'clock. It's 359. If you showed up at practice at, at 4 o'clock, you were late. And God knows you don't want to be late on the coach boom. <laughs> coach, I, I've got. To, I've seen the movie a hundred times. Probably, I'm not exaggerating. At least in parts. And I was watching it the other day while I was working out in the gym. It was on in the uh, workout area, and I still get chills and I still get tears in my eyes when I hear you speak to that team and those kids. And I hope that affects everybody that sees the movie. And that's why I've always said it should be required viewing in high schools. Have you had any requests like that from high schools? That, to speak to them and to and that movie be become a part of the curriculum? All over, all over the country. There isn't a state, there isn't a city that I have not been to. I'm on my way to, to Paris, Tennessee, uh, day after tomorrow. When I first got the invitation to speak to those kids, I, I jumped up with Joe and I said, Mama, well, I'm going, we're going to Paris. <laughs> she said, oh, yeah. And I didn't read it. It says Paris, Tennessee. <laughs> But then I realized, you know, what an opportunity to spend some quality time with some quality young people in Tennessee. And if I could convince one to pull his pants up from way below his below so he'll be able to take his rightful place in the senior management of this country, his country, then I will be successful in Paris, Tennessee. Wow. I'm telling you, Coach. I tell, I tell young coaches all over the country, don't try to coach after me. But you'd be locked up for child abuse. <laughs> There's nothing truer than that. I mean, today it's just unbelievably <laughs> different. You're, you're... I'm telling you, you'll be locked up for child abuse. Some coach out in Iowa took his kids to the cemetery and made them lay on the, on the tombstones. And he got fired. His defense was, what Coach Boone did. <laughs> I didn't make nobody lay on no tombstones. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it, is a, it is a different scenario today, is it not? Tell me about it. Ugh. Tell me about it. And it's school not... boards are younger. School boards are younger. School boards are more intelligent. Principals and teachers are younger, and they're more intelligent, and they stand with some, with, with, with some uh, rules and regulations and beliefs that they believe in, and you're not going to change them for nothing. No, I don't think it's gotten better. I think it. I think it's kind of gone backwards. Well, I think it's going backwards. But then there are people who don't mind standing up and speaking out for what they believe in. I saw a kid the other day. I said, "Son, why you wear your pants?" I'm an old man, and I don't know very much about the culture, young culture. I said, "Why you wear your pants below your below?" Please tell me so I can become educated. He looked at me and looked down at me. He was about six four, and he said, "Pops." I'm afraid not to. 
Wow. And that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with kids today that are afraid to look different than what their culture says that they should look. And this is why we need stronger teachers who don't mind telling them, asking them in a nice way, son, I don't think you'll be able to make your get your right you take your rightful place in the, in our society with your pants like that. I don't all of you all of you growing up want to get off two rubber heels and get on four rubber wheels. Well who's gonna loan you money to get on four rubber heels if you walk in the office with your pants hanging down below your knees? No one. No one. You know you know you're not gonna get a job. But tell them in a way that you get their attention and not to embarrass them. And I guarantee you, you'll get some dynamite answers. Well, that answer was was awfully uh, moving with the, the, that kid gave you. Good grief! You don't realize they're afraid. Yeah, he, he said, "Pops, I'm afraid not to." Man, that's that, that that blew my mind. That blew my mind. He didn't necessarily want to have his pants hanging down, but he's afraid not to look different. Coach, and I said, that's the problem. That's a challenge for all of our teachers. It really is. A challenge. I could talk to you all day. I mean, you, you're a great inspiration. I know I've taken too much of your time already. You're kind enough to share it with us. But uh, if you don't mind, we'd love to get you again on the show because this is this is great for our listeners. It's great for people in this country to hear someone like you who was successful at bringing people together no matter what, just simply by, as you said, respecting each other. Well, that is something that I truly appreciate, Kevin. And I'll make myself available to you whenever you call. I believe I've talked with you before, haven't I? Yes, you have, Coach. We I had you on a few years back. I, I, it's, you certainly did. And uh, I enjoyed it as much then as I do now. Well, feel free to call me. I'm getting old now, so I may not be around too long, but just still feel, feel free to call me while I'm breathing. I might just call you, Coach, and uh, chew the fat with you on the phone and get some good old advice from you. I would love that. Take care of yourself now. Thank you, Coach. That's Coach Herman Boone. Alexandria, Virginia, T.C. Williams High School, the subject of the movie in 2001, Remember the Titans. Coach Boone was played by Denzel Washington. And you heard his story about why Denzel Washington wanted to make that movie and portray him. And I thought it was apropos with the way things are today. I wish Herman Boone was speaking at the convention tonight. Yes, I did wish that, but unfortunately Herman Boone wasn't. And I hope you enjoyed that interview, that look back down memory lane that we'll be taking in our show as we get launched here. I want to remind people of the things that we've done and the kinds of things that we're going to do as we move along. Uh, we're back here tomorrow fighting the good fight for you in the sports world, noon to 2 every day, and, of course, 7 to 9 in the morning on our current event show. All of it brought to you by the good people of Monster Energy Drink, Window World, and STL-Cars.com, along with our good friends at Taco Bell. Our good friends at Monster Energy Drink want you to know that, folks, everybody needs that boost that Herman Boone was talking about, that push, that focus, that punch of energy to get you going. You need Monster Energy Drink. It's more than just a drink. It's a lifestyle in a can, and that's how they promote it, and that's what it is. Monster Energy Drink, all kinds of different flavors. Monster Energy, unleash the beast. And Herman Boone unleashed the beast on that high school football team. They're ranked number one in the country, by the way, that year. Good for Coach Boone. All right, folks, we're back fighting the good fight, as I said, again tomorrow morning and then again tomorrow afternoon. 
This show will be on podcast on our website right here, kevinslaytonshow.com, as well as Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and Anchor, and any place else where you listen to good podcasts. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.